Tuesday, November 8th, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Stock Advisor Andy Cross, from Motley Fool Pro Jeff Fisher, and from Motley Fool Asset Management Tim Hansen. Guys, thanks for being here. Hey, Hi, Chris. Hey, Chris. We have got Priceline earnings, Barnes & Noble entering the tablet wars, and a little discussion on the future of ice cream, but we will start overseas. Uh, by the time this uh, taping gets up on iTunes, uh, Italian Prime Minister Berlusconi uh, may have resigned, so uh, we'll we'll just sort of give a nod to that developing. Quite story. a run, though, quite, wasn't it? It was. It was <laughs> quite a run. His third term. Right? He's been on there a long time, yeah. but ending badly. Yeah. Um, sticking over in Europe, uh, Coca-Cola Hellenic announced that third quarter profits are down twenty eight percent. Tim Hinton, the company cited quote a sharp deterioration in consumer confidence. Um, Probably not a surprise that uh, a company based in Greece is experiencing. No, no. Uh, you know, this is this is one that we own in in one of our funds, and it's an interesting story here because I think everybody knew that the results coming out of developed Europe, where Coca-Cola Hellenic has a lot of exposure to Ireland, Italy, Greece, they were going to be poor. I mean, you couldn't expect volumes to increase the amount of you know Coca-Cola and other drinks they're selling, nor did you expect them to be able to pass along price increases. In a, on a continent where austerity is becoming the norm. So, you know, as expected, you saw profit margins decline. Again, you know, input costs are going up, sugar, that sort of thing, and volumes were, were lower. But that was, that was expected. You know, the headline here was that, you know, our, our idea is that over the long term, uh, Hellenic has, ex- has exposure to two other major Coke emerging markets, mm-hmm. which are Russia and Nigeria. And the idea is that those two markets can outgrow any, you know, sort of um, stagnant uh, market conditions in developed Europe. And what happened was is that Russia was actually the most disappointing market from our perspective. And uh, the company just cited that they were rolling over a really tough comp because it was really, really hot in Russia last summer. Okay. And so they sold a lot of water and other beverages. Uh, and so the disappointment here doesn't so much stem from what happened in developed Europe, which was expected, but that you know what happened in the emerging world for them was a little disappointing. And that's, that's an outlier from what we've seen from other emerging market results um, on the bright side, the stock is pretty much flat because it's already been so kicked in the face. Um, <laughs> my joke here is that they, if they just changed their name to Coca-Cola Russia and Nigeria, that it would go up 10 to 20% <laughs> really? value just overnight. Yeah. It's a pop. Yeah. I was going to say, because I mean... It, it, a delete Hellenic alone and you're up 5%, just Coca-Cola. <laughs> um, uh, we talked uh, a little bit about this last week, just sort of this notion of... Um, you know, with everything going on in Europe, in Greece, in Italy, and and possibly more dominoes to come, um, the notion of finding stocks that are as insulated as they can be from that region, as as Europe proof as possible. Um, Andy, when you look across, you know, your watch list and your universe of stocks, what you know, what are one or two names that you think, okay. We're, we're going to be fine. Yeah, boy. Um, <laughs> trying to avoid it, I guess, as much as possible. I mean, yeah. looking at the emerging markets over in, I mean, Tim talked a little bit about this with, with Hellenic. But, um, I mean, I think looking elsewhere besides Europe, I mean, I said on the show to t- try to really stay away. It's just too tough to predict. At least companies operating in Europe. I mean, I like companies like um, Coach, which is operating more in Asia and more in Japan and more in China, growth stories, yep. as well as doing well here in the U.S. But focusing on those kind of, like, you know, um, Companies that are um, operating in lots of different markets, rather than just um, you know in Europe, because it's just there's just so much unknown and so much uncertainty. I mean, like you know, <laughs> Tim's joke is really pretty apropos. Like, change the name, stock goes up ten percent. I mean, like you know, avoiding that kind of space altogether. Jeff, what about you? I'll name two that are U.S. only: waste management 
and uh, ticker is WM. It's been beaten down quite a bit because trash volume was down lately and competition pricing competition was up. So it is a strong yield around thirty one. Is that by the way, is that a good gig if you're an analyst? Like, yeah, we want you to analyze trash volumes. I can't tell if that's like one of those that pays off or if if What's behind declining trash volume? Are people (laughs) buying less stuff? A a weaker economy. So because they're buying less stuff, they're throwing out less stuff. Exactly. Interesting. And they're using things longer as well. Sure, absolutely. It's all those damn recyclers. Ah hippies. Oh come on. I, I'm sorry. We have much more recycling every week than than trash by far. I'm sure you guys are all just as green as I am. Oh, absolutely. Excellent. Second one is Lowe's, uh, the home improvement store. Yep. Not too many Europeans are flying over to buy things from Lowe's. <laughs> Although maybe they should with the dollar dump. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it might pay for itself. But <laughs> Get uh, getting's good. Uh, you know, housing is already in the cellar, so the downside here is 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 modest, and the shares are the company is U.S. based. Decent value, long-term holding. Okay. Shares of Priceline.com up 5% this morning after strong earnings. Uh, Andy, revenue up 45%. That's quite a quarter. Yeah. Speaking about a company that actually is doing well in Europe, Priceline is one of those companies. Now, they will see a little softness probably here eventually um, in the fourth quarter, um, at least compared to analyst estimates. But overall, this company just continues to execute very effectively Mostly really international. I mean, it's a, it's a very good, healthy, growing international through Bookings.com, which is their big property. And um, y- uh, in Europe, their bookings were um, or their uh, their revenues were up twenty nine percent. So on uh, in the European business. So I mean, it's just this is a company that I know people in the U.S. know it probably most likely f- for its um, name your own price and for William Shatner. Shatner. But really, it, it, this is an international growth story for Priceline, and it continues to execute very well. Is that really how they're doing it? Because this is this is a pretty crowded industry, you know, with Expedia, TravelZoo, and internationally you've got Sea yep. Trip, um, Make My Trip in India. I mean, this is it really just that this is a company that executes better than the others? Well, Bookings is the largest hotel booking property in the world. So they have this massive scale that they continue to leverage on. Um, so they have this international business that is just taking off and they've been able to do it very well with that brand, which plays across all different countries. Um, Tim, we've talked before about, uh, you, you've made the point that succession planning um, is really hard for companies to pull off well. Um, we talked about it uh, in the wake of Steve Jobs dying uh, with Jim Senegal at Costco getting ready to step down. Yep. Um, as Andy said, in the U.S., Priceline is William Shatner. It is, and, and he's a guy who's in his 80s. I know he's not he the CEO. He looks healthy, though. I he know, looks great. I he know, does look pretty good. I know he's not the CEO, but he is the public face of this company. Do, at Somewhere at Priceline, do you think there is a conversation going on about succession planning for William Shatner? And if not, should there be? You know, I, I wouldn't put it past them to be having that conversation. I, I, I seem to remember that Budweiser even did succession planning for Spuds McKenzie. Way back in the day. You remember really? that dog, the surfing dog? I think yeah. they were really worried about what was going to happen when that sort of cycled <laughs> out. But then they showed up with the, the iguanas, right? And that was a big Super Bowl hit. <laughs> so I think, I think those marketing departments were always thinking about succession planning. I don't know. They'll probably go in a totally different direction, though, rather than just bring in like, a, a new warm body to fill in for Shatner. Well, don't forget, they also had Lennon Nimoy for, for a little bit. Yeah, he stepped in. So they were stepping in, then there was some overlap, and then basically Shatner took over and... So if if Shatner moves on one way or another, they're just going to recycle other like Star, <laughs> Star Trek people. Right. They should go Spud Con. Con will be in there someplace. <laughs> Barnes and Noble has jumped into the tablet computer wars. Uh, the company unveiled a Nook tablet computer priced at two hundred forty nine dollars. 
Uh, Jeff, obviously, we've got the iPad. Uh, Amazon is coming out with the Kindle Fire. Um, what is the appeal here of the Nook tablet? What's going to get me to buy that as opposed to one of the other two? Well, Barnes & Noble needs to make a run at this, of course. So 249 you mentioned. The, the Kindle is 199 but then assume you're also going to buy Prime for 79 a year on top of that. So it's price competitive. But on top of that, the Nook has twice as much memory, uh, twice as much RAM, and twice as much storage as the Kindle, which is actually pretty important when you're storing hundreds of books and, and whatever media, other media you want. It's about the same size. And it looks about the same just from the pictures that we can tell. It'll run Android 2.2, the same as the Kindle. No camera, no GPS, no other standard features. This is a, a, I call it a media digesting service. It's not a. (laughs) Is that trademark? (laughs) I I don't think they're going to call it that. (laughs) (laughs) I got to buy the URL right now. It's not a media creating device, It's, it's just to read. Obviously, Barnes and Noble has to go after this market. I was going to say, I mean, this, I mean, this is a pretty substantial bet they're making, but it almost seems like they have to make this yeah, bet. Yeah, they, ha- they have no choice. It's sad when that's kind of the most you can say for it. But it does look competitive to the Kindle for a comparable price. They've had more success with the Nook than people thought they ever would. Mm-hmm. And so maybe this, maybe this second generation will do well for them. I hope so, because we go there all the time. And this is to everyone who goes to Barnes & Noble and reads some books and hangs out, looks at papers, and then walks out. Shame on you. Shame on you. <laughs> if you if you like the store, buy something on your way out. But we always buy a couple things. And then that helps with uh, greater trash uh, consumption probably as well. Well, it, then it goes on our bookshelf and stays there the rest of our lives. Um, <laughs> do you think that um, – that this was. Do you think that Barnes and Noble sort of I looked can't wait at for what, Barnes and Noble to roll out the "Shame on You" ad campaign? Yeah, it's just like shame on you. You're not buying. Come you're not buying stores. anything. They, you're not buying shame anything. On you. It's your fault. They, they need not someone ours. by the door, just like at Costco, except they shame like you. A, a grandmother just. Your hands there. are empty. You can't leave the store empty. You were in here for twenty five minutes. That means you need to spend four dollars. It's not us. It's you. They start charging admission. Uh, they better do something. <laughs> One last thing in terms of Barnes & Noble. Um, Hewlett-Packard, Research in Motion, they tried to pull this off, and they just uh, essentially failed in their, in their tablet uh, mm-hmm. attempts. Um, do you think that, you know, in addition to having to make this bet, they felt like this is a safer bet to go sort of the Kindle Fire route as opposed to the, the iPad route? The, the one advantage they do have is, of course, all this, the stores. And the minute yep. you walk in, they're on top of you uh, with that. The the nook trying to shame you. Trying apparently. to, <laughs> they Buy do try tablet. to shame you. I, I felt guilty walking by and, and not purchasing one, but uh, I can't remember your question, Chris. <laughs> I'm still uh, shame on you, Chris. For asking such a long-winded question, that ex- poor Jeff can't remember it. Exactly. Well, I mean, to your point about the uh, the the support that they that they will be offering right. in stores, uh, Tim was the first person I thought of because Tim, you're on. I know that your experience with the Kindle has not been great, and so it's getting a third chance, though, which is more than a lot of things in my life have gotten. <laughs> and the reason is I won one for free, so I decided to just give it a shot. Yep. Leave for Saudi Arabia on Saturday. If people are, are, are longtime listeners, they know that my Kindles tend to run into trouble on long haul flights. So we'll see. We'll see if it makes it. But if you're looking for sort of a, a lower cost tablet computer, and you're a little bit of a technophobe, I have to believe that Barnes and Noble offering in-house tech support, that's got to be an advantage for them over Amazon, doesn't it? 
I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, yeah, but Amazon is very good customer service. You just they send you a box, you put it in the box, and it comes back magically a few days later. Which, in, in which, some ways, which, that's even more satisfying than the in-store service because you don't have to go stand in line, get in your car, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I don't. So I don't think it's a big advantage for them. Obviously, they've got to do something with their store network. Otherwise, it's just a valued less asset. What's it going to take for you to not buy a fourth Kindle and instead? Buy I didn't a buy a third Kindle. <laughs> I want it for free. So he has to win more things. I have to, you know, if the Motley Fool starts giving out nooks as prizes for trivia <laughs> contests, maybe I'll end up with one of those. And the thing to Sign keep in up. mind is <laughs> iPad prices are likely to go down over time. The older generation iPads, of course, will be much cheaper. So it's going to be a tough road for the nook. And finally, Dippin' Dots, the so-called ice cream of the future, has filed for bankruptcy. Uh, for those who are unfamiliar, um, this is... Um, just a bizarre little dessert product. Uh, it's cryogenically frozen beads of ice cream. And there are nearly 2,000 locations around the United States, mostly in like malls and like sporting venues. Uh, but Tim, you and I were talking uh, before we started taping here. We're happy about this. I'm not I, a fan of the Dippin' Dots. I mean, I'm no. not, ice cream did not need fixing. I'm, I've never been a fan, and frankly, the first time I saw it, I was offended by the by the tagline. You're pretty thin-skinned, future. though. The ice cream, <laughs> yeah. but the ice cream of the future presupposes that the ice cream of the present is lousy, yeah. and the ice cream of the present is awesome. It's pretty good, right? Well, I-, I thought they had gone under years ago, so just that you brought it up again brought back bad memories. <laughs> to what extent do we think that, um, like Unilever, which owns Ben and Jerry's and and Warren Buffett, you know, with Dairy Queen, to what extent was there collusion just to like put these guys out of business? hundred <laughs> percent. I'm, I'm okay with that, without, by without the way. A doubt. <laughs> um, in terms of filing for bankruptcy, um, there are certainly companies we've talked about in this room before um, that, um, while they haven't yet, they may be on their way. Um, let's just go around the table. If you had to bet on a company uh, to file for bankruptcy, are you going with, um, I don't know, a, a GameStop, just to throw one name out there? Jeff? Well, back to my friend, Barnes & Noble. Oh, wow. After touting the Nook tablet, you're going you're gonna to put Barnes & Noble? No, no, I won't. But they only have $22 million in cash, $660 million in long-term debt. So all the more reason to buy things when you, when you stop by. But if you want a company that's really going bankrupt, eminently probably, it's look no further than General Maritime. They, uh, they have 34 crude oil shipping uh, vessels. <laughs> They're having trouble refinancing their debt. They have $1.2 billion in long-term debt. That's due currently, right now. And in their latest quarter just announced they did not issue a balance sheet, which is always an ominous sign. That seems like a problem. And they have not been able to refinance Probably that. just honest oversight. <laughs> <laughs> I'd give them the benefit of the doubt here. They, Slip of the pen. <laughs> they failed at refinancing it. Their special, Motley Fool Special Ops just sold their shares for that reason, thinking bankruptcy is... Imminent. In the cards. Yeah. Tim, what about you? Is there a stock out there uh, you think is... Uh... I don't know if bankruptcy is imminent, but I think some sort of restructuring or reorganization is in the cards for Semex. That's not the, the question. Which is, <laughs> bankruptcy is a, is, a, is a possibility. Yeah. Uh, that's the big Mexican uh, cement manufacturer, and they, during the housing boom, took on large amounts of debt to make acquisitions that have now substantially underperformed, and, and they've had to get some help uh, with from their financiers to... Um, Make make their debt payable, and the housing market's not getting any better. Their sales are not doing well, and their payments and maturities are coming up. You know, such a big company in Mexico that the government there might have to step in to, yeah. to do something to help them. Otherwise, they're going to have a big unemployment problem. But it's a pretty grim, pretty grim situation. Is it a too big to fail situation in Mexico? It may be. Yeah, I mean, it's funny to say that about a non-financial institution, but it's such a huge company down there. Employs so many people. It's so critical to the city of Monterey. 
Um, you know, and they're already that country's already struggling with so much, you know, violence and that sort of thing. It'd be sending that shockwave through yep. the system would be a tough one for the country to deal with. But it'll be interesting to see what they do there. Because, uh, like, like, you know, Jeff pointed this out, the housing. I mean, it's in the cellar, but it, you know, it's nice to be Lowe's and have a good balance sheet to sort of hang out until it comes back. But it's not coming back. Well, I'm just glad that Dippin' Dots is not too big to fail. <laughs> Tim Hansen, Andy Cross, Jeff Fisher. Guys, thanks for being here. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.